Oh 
turn our attention, turn our attention to the word and just just think about your past. Think about where you've come from. Think about the stuff that we do. We sin, we fall short. And I just want to turn our focus to the power of God's word. So listen to this. This is just thinking about getting all of your stuff on the table. Just just picture that in your head and think about this. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. This is talking about Jesus. And then it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And here's the kicker. And by his wounds, we are healed. Can we thank the Lord for the power of Jesus? Yep. And so, guys, as we continue on this morning, I just want us to focus on the power of Jesus. The land that is overcome lives within us. And I just want to encourage you all to just think about Jesus as we sing this next song. But I just, I just want to focus on who God is and his power and his might. And Jesus is reigning. He is king. And his work on the cross is finished. This is the Jesus that we worship. This is the Jesus we serve. Let's focus on him as we continue on this morning.
glad you're here. good to be with you guys and I love singing and can we just thank God again for how awesome he is yep but uh, I have a few things I want to highlight we're glad you're here and if you're new you're checking things out guys we're so glad you're checking things out and it would be a privilege to, to connect with you um, if you want to meet us over at the welcome area that big blue sign when you walk in we have something to give you for free and just to say thank you um, and most importantly, we just love to know your story. What brought you here? How can we pray for you? How can we support you? Uh, but guys, we're super excited about being in this series called Nehemiah. It's never too late for new beginnings. And uh, I'm just humbled at the new beginnings that we continue to hear that God's been doing in, in people's lives throughout this series. So we're super excited. Um, if you pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we appreciate that. Let us know you're here. If you're new, again, we're just so thankful um, you can write your name on that, or there's a little red card in front of you, whatever you feel comfortable, you don't have to, but we just are excited to be able to support and pray for you and, and just to know you're here. We're just so thankful. Guys, we have lots of things to share. I want to highlight one thing um, real quickly is that if you uh, go to Princescape Arena today um, at about 2 o'clock, 2.30, Deb and Roger Metcalf, two wonderful people that have been here at the, our church serving faithfully for years, they're actually going to be serving, they're selling cookies at the uh, Sweet Sunday, which all the proceeds and benefits um, go to the city mission and the and city of, and of Washington. They do a wonderful outreach to so many different areas of the city and beyond. And so that's today uh, at Princecape Arena, which is the old Isoplex, I believe. And so that's today, Sweet Sunday. So go and support the city mission and buy Roger and Deb's cookies. It's going to be good. If you don't have a sweet tooth, you will develop one today. Uh, but it's a wonderful day. There's all kinds of different things going on. Um, but I want to highlight that as well as... Um, June Jamboree. June Jamboree is obviously happening in June, <laughs> but uh, we're super excited to have an interest meeting today at 1215. It's going to be in the auditorium. You'll be here no longer than one o'clock, and we're just going to answer questions about what is happening this year, what's going to be different, as well as how can you be involved? How can you pray? How can you support? How can you volunteer and be on the team um, as we reach our community this June? And so that interest meeting is going to be here uh, with Jenny uh, Hoffman and myself, and so we're really excited about that. Feel free to stick around, even if you're just curious to hear about what we're doing this summer uh, with June Jamboree. One thing also is on March 17th, we're having our next steps meeting. This is for anybody looking to take that next step here at Crossroads to make it make it their home, or even just saying, hey, I've been here for four or five weeks or longer or, or whatever, and I just would love to know you know, what do we believe here at Crossroads? Who's on staff or, or what's available for my children or our students or beyond and asking those questions and or how can I get connected? And so this is an awesome time, free childcare, free lunch, um, and we're really excited about that. So that's March 17th and you can sign up in your bulletin or you can sign up on our website, but we're really excited about that. And then March Madness is happening for our student ministry on March 22nd. So Pastor Eric is going to share more details to come, but you can look our website soon uh, for more information this week. Uh, but it's going to be a phenomenal night. I've been talking with Eric and what they have planned is going to be incredible. So we're really excited about that. But um, guys, we're excited about what God's going to do this morning as we continue on in this series. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward this morning as we receive this offering. And if you're new, 
I know this might be weird. You've seen a plate come by or you're, you might be used to this, but one of the things I want to share is if you're new, please feel free to let that plate pass. You're more than welcome to participate. This is for those who call this church their home. And so we're excited about one thing, and that's our mission. Our mission is to see lives changed by Jesus Christ, to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And all things we do, that's our aim. That's our focus. And now we give to that mission. And so let's go before the Lord and continue on uh, this morning. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that you've rescued our soul. God, that you have uh, not just rescued us from our past, but you've given us a future. You've given us a plan. You've given us purpose and meaning and worth. And only those things are available in Jesus Christ. No, no man-made thing can produce worth like you can, Jesus. No man-made thing or achievement can produce meaning and purpose like you can, Jesus. And so as we continue on, Lord, this morning, I am just so excited at how you're going to change lives through your holy word. And as we continue on, I'm just so thankful that you've given us this mission here on earth to point people to you, Jesus. And, and that's why we give. We don't give to, to buildings or we don't give to, to just see human effort we give because lives are being impacted by you, Jesus. And so uh, we are excited about seeing the mission carried into our city and our nation and this world, God, seeing lives changed by Jesus Christ. And we are humbled that you've called our church to do what we're doing. And so we continue to just move forward with our time on earth and we just trust you, Jesus, in all things. And thank you for being relentless and loving us and pursuing us and for chasing after us even when we pursue other paths other than you. We love you. We thank you for loving us. And in your holy, precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. series of Nehemiah, just to bring you up to speed. I know last week, Pastor Luke did an awesome job. Can we thank Pastor Luke for last week, huh? What a great, great week. We, uh, last week, he took you to the rebuilding of the wall. So if uh, this is your first day here, just to kind of recap you up, uh, the, we're, we've been in a series and we're talking about this guy, Nehemiah, and it's a book in the Old Testament. It's actually his memoirs. And Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And so we were talking about the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel uh, had been under exile. So they, the, the, they came to, their, to, their wall, to, the, to the city of Jerusalem. They tore the walls down. They desolated the city. They took the people out into Babylon, which was 1,000 miles away. Uh, they took them away from their homeland, and it was under the Babylonian rule. And then all of a sudden, up comes the new rulers. It's now under the Persian rule. And uh, we're a hundred years time has passed since all of that. And God lays on this guy, Nehemiah, lays on his heart to go rebuild a wall, to go back to his home city. Uh, the Jewish people weren't in, they didn't even have their own government or anything of that nature yet. So it was really a big deal. And God lays it on this guy, Je Nehemiah. Nehemiah is just a Jewish man. 
And he's working for the king of Persia. He's the cupbearer. He gets to taste everything the cup that the, uh, that the king eats or drinks. And so he makes sure, you know, if, if the cupbearer lives, then I guess it's okay to eat that food, right? And so that was his job. And so they put him there as a security detail. And so, uh, so that, that, was his, that was how he rolled. And, uh, and all of a sudden, God lays on his heart to go rebuild this wall in Jerusalem, to go back to his homeland of Jerusalem. And as he goes back to the homeland of Jerusalem, before he goes back, he spends four months praying, and he's just asking the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? Teach me. Show me how to do this. This, this seems impossible. I'm, I'm not sure that I could even do this. And so he, he spends all this time uh, in prayer, and then he goes all the way back to the city in Jerusalem, and he begins to rebuild the wall. So last week, Pastor Luke took you up to chapter 6, and we got the, the wall was rebuilt. It actually only took 52 days to rebuild that wall. Uh, in, in modern technology, uh, that would be a miracle for that to happen with modern technology, yet alone in that day without the technology that, that, that we have today. 52 days to rebuild that wall. And, uh, and so last week, that was chapter 6, and then you move to chapter 7, and you see this incredible organizational structure and, uh, and, you just, and he basically is rolling the credits, and he's thanking everybody, and, uh, and you just see all this incredible organization that he had. And uh, he was quite a leader, Nehemiah was. But Nehemiah was a leader that knew that, the, that there was more to the story, more than just a wall that needed to be built. There was a people that needed to be built. He knew that it was time to rebuild the heart. And this morning, I'd like to talk to you about that, a time to rebuild the heart. That's your first fill in the blank if you're taking notes on the back of the bulletin, uh, a time to rebuild the heart. So here's what happened. They built the wall. The wall was fabulous, 52 days. This wall's 30 feet high, 10 feet wide. I mean, it's incredible what they did to rebuild that wall. The gates have been hung. Everything is back in place, and, and they can now begin to function as a city. But yet, they were not yet worshiping God. And so it was time to rebuild. And you know what? I was thinking about our own life as I'm studying this passage, that it's time for us. We need to rebuild constantly. Uh, you know, this morning, you may be in, in ready for a new beginning, a new beginning in your spiritual journey. And, uh, and if that's you, it's called a revival. That We call that a revival. Uh, so if you were once walking with God and maybe you've fallen, fallen away or maybe it's gotten hard, and you, maybe you've become cold or calloused, uh, we all do that. We all go through those seasons, whether, uh, whether we like to admit it or not. There's times that our hearts just are not in tune with God like it ought to be, and we need a revival. Uh, a revival is bringing back somebody that has almost died. You do CPR on people that are still alive, not on people that have died, right? Uh, you see somebody turning blue, you go do the Heimlich, you do the CPR, you do everything to revive them. But after somebody's dead, there's nothing that you can do. So here's what happened. The people of Israel here, they had once worshipped God. And there's now a hundred-year period where worship had been at a minimum. They had fallen away from God. They were hard. They were calloused. And I want you to think about your life, how that you're in need of that, how that I'm in need of that. Years ago, there was a song by a group called Petra. I remember Petra in the 90s. They were one of the, the hard rock of, of the day, right? Hard Christian rock, right? But uh, they had a song, and, and it went like this. And I'll just read the lyrics to you. It said, don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your love grow cold. May it always stay so childlike. May it never grow too old. 
Don't let your heart be hardened. May you always know the cure. Keep it broken before Jesus. Keep it thankful, meek and pure. May it always feel compassion. May it beat as one with God's. May it never be contrary. May it never be at odds. May it always be forgiving. May it never know conceit. May it always be encouraged. May it never know defeat. Don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your love grow cold. May it always stay so childlike. May it never grow too old. Nehemiah wanted this for the people. He wanted them to be rekindled. He wanted their heart. And this morning, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for me, that our hearts will be rekindled, that God will give us a revival, that he will rebuild our heart. A revival is the rebuilding of the heart. And so as they took the 52 days, they rebuilt the heart, uh, rebuilt the wall, but now the heart needed work. And Nehemiah saw that there was a spiritual vacuum that had taken place in the city. These people, there was no worship happening. uh, And if there was, it was just kind of outward performance. The hearts were stone cold and he needed to get them to a place of revival. And, you know, there's a real lesson to be learned here because machinery, you know, when you think of machinery, you think of the, the facilities. You know, we, I thank God for our facility. We have a wonderful facility here at the church. Great parking lot, uh, great facilities inside. Uh, you know, our community loves to come up and use our gymnasium. God has blessed us. But you know what? That machinery is not what is important. It is what is on the inside that matters. It's what's on the inside here this morning. It's what's on the inside of you that matters. And so as you look at your life, it's easy for us to become consumed with the machinery. My career, my advancement, my this and that. And in the meantime, God is really looking for people to have a revival of the heart. Psalm 119 verse 34 The psalmist says, give me an understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all of my heart. The psalmist further says in in verse 37, he says, and revive me in all of your ways. Revive me. So there, there comes a time when we need fresh air. We need fresh breath breathed into us. And, uh, and God does that. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter eight, verse one this morning. And as you are thinking about a new beginning in your life, I know that God has called every one of us to have new beginnings all the time. And so maybe there's something you say, well, you know, uh, I'm, uh, you know I'm, I'm trying to do whatever. God wants to work in your life this morning. And as he does, the greatest place to work is on the heart. You see, the wall was the minimal of work. That was only 52 days. What he had to work on was the heart of a generation, and he had to bring their hearts back to God. Nehemiah 8.1, and all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in the front of the water gate. Uh, One commentator said, this is revival at water gates. So maybe if you're familiar with that, right? Revival at water gate. And all the people gathered as one man in front of the square, which is in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. <clears throat> so we see that they're, they're coming together and there are thousands of people that have come together. And Nehemiah is a wise leader because if you'll notice, we see a new leader here. And they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. Ezra arrives on the scene. Nehemiah is a strong enough leader to trust other people on his team. 
and he trusts Ezra, and he puts Ezra in a place of leadership. I'm sure Ezra, I'm sure Nehemiah could have easily read the scripture, but he chose, he chose Ezra. And so Nehemiah chooses Ezra to read the scripture here. And Ezra, who was a scribe, that was his specialty. He was a priest. And, uh, and so he brings it out and he, he begins to read the, the, the word of God. The first step this morning in rebuilding your heart is to read God's word. And I want to encourage you this morning to read God's word. Because as we see here in Nehemiah 8, it didn't start with an opinion of man. It started with reading of God's word. It didn't start with, hey, we have a better way. We have a new idea. We're going to turn over a new leaf. I think God calls us to turn over new leaves. But I think God has something much more than you turning over a new leaf. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have a revival of who he is. And your heart is in tune with God Almighty. So uh, a true revival cannot happen apart from God's word. And I want to encourage you this morning. Uh, this, this was the exposition of God's word. It was not the opinion of man. I want to encourage you to, uh, to get into reading God's word. And this time, they did not have the Bible written in everybody's home and a scroll in everybody's home. They came together and they would read from the scrolls. They would read it publicly. Uh, today, we have God's word that you can carry with you. And I want to encourage you today on your way out, I, there's a, a table in the foyer. It has Bibles on it. Just as you go out the door to your left, you'll see there are, are there's study Bibles out there. I want to encourage you to take one. Uh, it has an envelope on there. You can make a donation to help pay for that anytime you want. Or if you don't want to, that's fine too. I want to encourage you to take a Bible today and get into reading God's Word. Uh, you know, we have so much available for us. You can also put it on the phone. There's an app called the YouVersion app. I encourage you to download that. And then you can pick the version that you want to listen to and, and have it read to you. And that's why it's called the YouVersion app. Uh, you know, I've told people for, uh, for the past few months, I've been saying that, you know what? Uh, many people pick up their phone and they go to Facebook before they go to God's book. And isn't that sad? Because you know what I say about Facebook? It's fake book, Right? Everybody making you think how good their life really is. And we know better. We know better, right? Everybody wants you to have an appearance. And so if your first thing you do in the morning is you get this phone right after your alarm wakes you up, and you go to Facebook and you start looking through fake book and you see all that, in the meantime, you have God's book. And God wants to guide you. God wants to reveal himself to you. I want to encourage you this morning to make that the very first part of your day, to read God's word, to, to let, see, that's where a revival in your heart is going to come. It's not going to come by, well, if things were different. Things are always different. That's just the way it's going to be, folks. Uh, you know, every day we change, we age, we grow. People come, people go, people die. It's, this, is the, this is our life, the world that we live in. It, it changes. So you can't say, well, if things change, I would, I would be closer to God. You know what has to change? We have to get to know God. And so this was the very first thing that they did. <clears throat> you know, the early church did this. Over in the book of Acts, if you would go to Acts 2.42, you would read this verse. It says that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Uh, the apostles' teaching was the word of God. So they devoted themselves to God's word. 
to the breaking of bread. Uh, today, we're going to have communion at the end of our service. We're going to worship the Lord with the Lord's table. And as we worship him, it's going to be a powerful time. Uh, that's what the early church did. They came, but it was centered around God. It wasn't centered around some, somebody's great idea. It was around God, uh, to, to praying, to fellowship together. And so this morning, I want to I encourage you because, you know, I'm all about a good time. I love having a good time. I think the family of God is that. It's a family. And families should experience a lot of fun together. You know, didn't you love the donut wall a few weeks ago? That was great fun. But what is going to change your life is not the cholesterol and a few donuts. It is Jesus. It is the word of God. And as we make this front and center, all those other things fall into their proper place and they're fun and they're exciting, but don't miss out because this is the number one, the word of God. Can we have an amen for God this morning? His word, he shows us who he is. Listen, there's nothing else. You can build your life on this. I can't say that about anything else. You can build your life on this. And I wanna encourage you, as you're starting a new beginning, Build your life on this. This is where it starts, not on your emotions. Oh, my. Listen, we can operate on emotions. This is why it was so dangerous. Nehemiah was so wise because the wall was built. 52 days, the wall was built. This was an incredible, incredible structure that happened. And now it could be so easy to just live off the emotion. And and listen, I'll tell you, the, the greatest moment of weakness is after a big victory. Because you can fall after big victories. You just run on emotion and you forget about God. And so right here, here he does. He brings them together. Look at verse 2. Then Ezra the priest brought the, uh, brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it before the square which was in front of the water gate from early morning till midday. They read God's word from early morning until midday in the presence of men, women, and all those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Today, what a privilege it is to get a Bible and to open it and to read it. The reading of God's word. Check that out. Early morning till midday. I know what it's like when we go over time a little bit. They read from early morning till midday. Imagine if we had a two-hour service, folks. Early morning till midday. There was no complaining, nobody upset. They were in awe of the word of God. That's the next thing is respect for the truth. You know, the, the next step in, in, in rebuilding your heart is to have a respect for the truth. Um, th- this, was, this was so powerful. Look what they did here. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium which they had made for that purpose. Kind of like we do today. Isn't that cool? They stood at a wooden podium. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They stood up. Have you ever been to a church that does that? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've been to a church that they stand up whenever they read the Bible, okay? Kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, that's where it came from, right there. It's the very first time. Uh, this is the first revival that we see recorded in the scripture. And, and there's some key points that we can take. It was the respect for the word of God. 
they opened the Bible, they stood up from early morning till midday. Holy moly, could you imagine their knees? I mean, they stood for an entire half a day to hear the word of God. And they read the, the, the law of God that was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, could you imagine standing and hearing that all be read in public with thousands of people that have gathered together? Verse 6, then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all these people answered, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands. Uh, Then they bowed low and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Think about this. Ezra comes and he blesses the Lord. Most of the time when we pray, we say, Lord, please bless me. Lord, bless my food, bless this day, bless all the things that, that I am doing, right? Well, Ezra here blesses the Lord. And what he does is he, his blessing is to, to make him great. So he makes God great. And he, and he says here, bless the Lord, the great God. What was Ezra saying here? Ezra was saying, bless the great, the awesome the sovereign God of the universe. This is our God. And you know what he was doing? The revival was happening because they had a respect for God, and this was no little God. Ezra pulled up how big God is. Do you realize that in our culture today, so many times we make God little? We try to fit him into our world, and we try to make him a God that we can manipulate, and we push the buttons and we pull the levers. Um, and, and you know what? You can still be my God. I'll come talk to you as long as you do what I want, right? No, no, no. That's a little God. Ezra was showing a great big God. He was powerful. He was sovereign. He was mighty. And he says, bless the Lord. Bless him for who he is. No revival can take place with a little God. This was the God, the only God, the true God of the universe. And, some, and, and as they come and they worship him, these people, they come and they lay down before him. It's pretty powerful. He says, amen and amen, while lifting up their hands, they bowed low and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, isn't that interesting? They, they, they came before, they said, amen, amen. That means so be it. Let it be. In other words, they're in agreement. We're in agreement that our God is great, that our God is awesome. We bless him too. And then they put up their hands in the air, and then their faces went down. And down to the ground their faces went. And I want you to catch this. Step into this picture with me. Ezra's up at the podium. There are thousands of people, thousands. It says everybody came together. Thousands of people out there. And they hear the word of the Lord being read. And it's quiet. And they've listened for a half a day. And then their hands go up in the air. And they are down on the ground with their hands in the air and their face to the ground. And it is quiet. It's a very solemnness. What was happening was they were worshiping God. They went in, they saw the very presence of God Almighty. And you know, I want, I want to encourage you that what was happening here was the position of their, of their body was reflecting the position of their heart. I think, you know, in worship we can lift our hands, but how many times have you seen somebody lift their hands and their head to the floor? 
I think if we could understand what was going on here, there was, a, there was an, an awareness of the awesome and the greatness. There was the fear of the Lord. And they said, God is so big and so great, and we are so small. And they lifted up their hands to the Lord, and with respect, their face was to the ground. You see, their worship was not about some feeling, folks. So many times we make worship about a feeling. Uh, you know, you may, tell, you may say that a particular song you can worship more too. All that tells you is that is a particular style that you may enjoy. Because worship is not about a style and it's not about you. It's about God. It's about bless the Lord. It's about our hands up in the air and our heads bowed down. Is that the position of our heart? Not, wow, what did I get out of that? Do you see the difference? Worship is not what did I get out of it. It's who did I pour into? Did I pour my life into the great God of the universe? Did I let him be recognized as holy, as just, as awesome, and as so far greater than me? And folks, that is more than what happens on Sunday. This is not something that happens just an hour a week. It should be daily And this is what the people were doing. Their hearts were becoming revived. The the next step is to understand the truth. Not only did they hear the truth, um, but now they had to understand the truth. God's word was read. They had respect for it. Now they have to understand the truth. Look here, verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give sense so that they understood the reading. The truth was explained so that everybody who heard it could understand. That's what we do every week when we come together. We open up God's word and we translate it. We, we bring it over. Uh, translate here. Here's what it means. It, it means to make something distinct. To separate it from something else as to make it flow together in a meaningful fashion. Um, to make it flow. To, to help you to understand They separated the words, the verses, the passages. They helped them to see how it all fit in. It was an intelligent, clear, understandable fashion. But why did they need to translate the scripture? Well, there were two reasons. Number one, remember, these were Jews that were living under Babylonian and Chaldean, uh, the Persian Empire as well. They were living under other rule. And so they, they may not have even had the same language as the Hebrew Bible. And also, they did not have Jewish ears anymore. They had Babylonian ears. And all they could hear, everything that they heard was through, through, the, uh, through, the, through the Babylonian ears. So as they, would, as they heard it, they would hear it through the Babylonian ears. And so what happened was the scribes came and they translated. They said, now this, let me help you understand this. And they went through each passage and helped them to understand who God is, what God was doing. They helped them to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Those were, they, they made sense of it. He says that they gave sense. He, he translating it so that they made sense and so that they could understand the reading. And so I want to encourage you, uh, grab a Bible out there today. Those are study Bibles out there. 
they're going to help you make sense. It's going to help you be able to apply this to your life. And so this, this is so powerful. That's what we do with our children's ministry, our youth ministry. And up here on Sunday morning, that's our mission is God's word is central. And we talk about Jesus. We talk about his word and we translate it over so that you can understand. Why? Because like the Jewish people of that day had Babylonian ears, you and I have American ears. And when I pull out a passage and tell you that they built a wall around a city, the first thing you do is say, why would they build a wall around a city? Because we don't live like that, right? There's no wall around Pittsburgh. Maybe sometimes you wish there were, but there's no wall around Pittsburgh, right? We have Polish Hill. That's enough. So there's, there's no wall around Pittsburgh. And so as you're looking out here and we're looking at this, that's not, we, we don't understand those things. And so as we're looking to understand the scripture, you have to understand when they built the wall, it was for people to, to for, for development of the culture so that people could be developed so that, the, so that there was safety, so that there was protection. And so when we translate those things over, you can understand it's not about some, some, uh, so, something out there that we would not understand because we have American ears. And so we have to come, we have to understand who Jesus is. These words that were read to them were, the, were from the Hebrew Bible. And so they had to come and understand what God was really saying. That's what we do here. They had to respond to the truth. Or in other words, they had to apply, to, apply the truth. Uh, I want to encourage you to have a heart that is revived by God. You have, to, you have to respond to the truth. You have to apply the truth. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and, the, and, and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. All the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. So he comes to them this morning and he says, Do not mourn anymore. This day is holy. This this belongs to the Lord. It is a holy day. Uh, Why were they crying? Uh, They were guilty. They understood that the law and and the, the Ten Commandments were read. They understood that they broke the commandments. They could not become followers of God in their minds because they had broken this law of God. And so they were weeping over their own sin. There was mourning. There was grieving. And so as they're down on the ground and they're crying about this and, and, they're, and they're, they're weeping and mourning. And so their hands are up. Their head, faces are down. Nehemiah says, stop. Don't grieve anymore. The, the grieving's done. Why? Because our God has forgiven you of, his, of your sin. Our God has forgiven you. And he, he says that he, in Psalms, he says that he has buried your sin as far as the east is from the west. That is how far he has buried your sin. So, so this morning, I want you to think about this. Uh, as, as, your, as your life, God has buried your sin as far as the east is from the west. He says, stop it. This is a holy day. God is a forgiving God. Your God is not mad. Your God is loving you. Verse 10, then he said to them, go eat of the fat. Can you thank God for verses like that, you know? Just eat of the fat. I knew there was a reason. I was just being obedient, right? Go eat of the fat. Drink of the sweet. Oh, man, am I happy right now. And send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Folks, there it is. 
He says, the morning has done. It's time to get happy. It's time to move forward. It's time to kill the fatted calf. In good old Pittsburgh East terms, it's time to order a dozen of wings and get happy for Jesus, right? That's exactly how it was. And so he was like, let's get going. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. Eat what is fat. Drink what is sweet. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, folks, I want to ask you, how many times does your life look like the joy of the Lord? Or how many times are you under the circumstances? These people were under circumstances. He says, your strength is going to come, not from the circumstances. Your strength is not going to come because you built this great wall. Your strength is going to come because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When their hearts became in tune with God, they saw how great, how awesome that God is. All of a sudden, they they began to worship him, and there was joy because they had come home. They had been restored to their God. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. The Levites calmed the people down. God's not dead. He's not mad. He is loving. He's just. As a matter of fact, we now can see from our point in history, as we look back to the cross, the anger of God was taken out on Jesus. And so the anger for your sin, for my sin, was taken out upon Jesus. And, and that day when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sin once for all, forever. And he knows everything about you, and he still loves you. He knows what you're struggling with this morning, and he says, I still love you. I, I, I'm pursuing you. And you say, but you don't understand. I screwed up last night. God says, I still love you today. Isn't that great, God? What an awesome God we serve. And so that's the, that was the message. God, do not be grieved, for this day is holy. Look what God has done here. Uh, all the people went away to eat, to drink. Verse, 20, verse 12. All the people went away to eat, to drink, and to send portions, uh, and, and to celebrate the great festival. And because they understood the words which had been made known to them. So what happened? They applied the message and they took it personally, and they went out and they did what they, what, what they were told to do. Uh, verse 13, then on the second day, the heads of their father's household and all the people, the priests, the Levites who were gathered to Ezra the scribe, uh, gathered together to Ezra the scribe that they might gain insight into the words of the law. And you say, well, wait a minute, what is insight? I thought they just had this great day and everybody's excited. Well, here's what they did. They, on the second day, so they came back the next day and they said, we want, we want insight. We want to know more. Um, and and it, an insight means to be prudent, to be wise, to, to be able to manage your life. And so as they were coming and they were trying to manage one's life, uh, the discernment and the keen awareness, they became involved and they started to understand but folks, I want, to, I want you to understand something this morning. Knowledge of biblical facts is no guarantee of insight. There are many people that have set out and gained a lot of knowledge, but they have missed the insight of the relationship with God. They have missed the insight of the relationship with Jesus. And how do we know that? Because when Jesus came and he was here on the earth, there were the scribes and the Pharisees. He called them whited sepulchers. 
Uh, they looked good on the inside, but on the, uh, on the outside, but on the inside, they were terrible. They were rotten. Why? Because they knew the facts, but they had no insight. They had no understand. They did not understand the depth of the relationship with God. So I want to encourage you to, to gain insight. And as you gain insight, um, you know, look look what they did here. Verse fourteen. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seven months. He was referring to this 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 festival. It was called the festival of tabernacles. And so it was a seven-day feast, and God had told them to make a booth. These booths were known as sukkah booths. And so they would make these sukkah booths, and it was just a little booth outside their house. It could be on top of the roof. And they would live in these little booths for seven days, and their goal was to spend time thanking God every day. It was all about Thanksgiving. It kind of falls on the calendar year near our, our Thanksgiving quite often. And so... It says that they found written in the law of the Lord how that, how, that, how that they should live in these booths during the Feast of the Seven Months. Verse 15. So they proclaimed and they circulated a proclamation in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the hills, bring olive branches, wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of other leafy trees to make booths as it is written, just as God's word says. How do you gain insight? Well, it's right here. You gain insight by this. Number one, it takes time, folks. They came back the second day. You don't get insight on your first time. You you can get understanding on the first time. Psalm 119 says, I understand more than the age because I have observed your precepts. You can understand the first time, but insight comes through time. Um, you know, there are things in my life now, I've been walking with God for a number of years, and I can look back whenever I was 25, there were things at 25 I would never say or do, that, that, things at 25 that, that I would never say or do now that I would do back then. And at 35, there are just different things. There's things that happen. Why? Because I've spent time with God. I've spent time in this relationship. I've, I've gotten into his word. And the same is true for you. As, uh, as you, the longer that you walk with God, the more insight that you will gain. And you will start to understand that, wow, there are, there are more things that, that God is teaching me. And you start to say, oh, so that's how I apply that truth. And maybe 10 years ago, you didn't. And so it comes over time. It comes by going to the right people. Notice that it says that on the second day, they went back to Ezra. And so they went back and, uh, and they got... They got insight. Folks, you can go and get somebody to give you advice of anything you want the advice to say. Have you ever noticed that? I can go and I can find somebody that will tell me what I want to hear. I want to do this, so therefore I'll go find somebody that says that. But when you come to the right people, okay, Ezra came and gave them the insight of God's word. And through the insight of God's word, they were able to hear from the Lord. And I imagine many of them didn't want to do what they heard. And this is what happens in our life. You, have, you will gain insight. I didn't say you'll be happy about it. I didn't say you'll jump up and down. But you'll gain insight. Or you can just go and you can get anybody to tell you whatever you want. And you'll feel good and, uh, and miss the revival of your heart. Um, come with the right attitude. You know, the right attitude is to come teachable. 
Uh, what, what can God teach me? These people came back. Many of them were older than Ezra. No doubt many of them were older than Ezra. And so Ezra had to deal with people that were older than him. And they came and they humbled themselves and they said, teach me. What can I learn? I want to know more. Um, the results of insight. How, how did they have the results? The results were obedience. Look here, verse 16. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God, in the square at the water gate and at the square of the gate of Ephraim. The entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua, and there was great rejoicing. So here, I want you to catch the scene here. They heard God's word, and then they looked at the calendar, and they said, Feast of Tabernacles on the seventh month? It's the seventh month. We've got to go build booths. And they went out, and they obeyed. And their leader said, this is what we got to do. And they went out and they did it and they followed God's word. See, when you have insight, you will obey God's word. Even though I'm sure those people had no desire to live in a little booth for seven days. They just built the wall. Are you kidding me? We just built this wall and you want me to live in a little hut? What is wrong with you, right? No, they gained insight. The teachers helped them understand, and they said, we're going to obey God. Imagine what Sanballat and Tobiah were saying as they saw all the children of Israel, the the enemies, as they saw the children of Israel living in these huts. And so, so, uh, so, so look what it says here. They lived, and they did this, and there was great rejoicing. Folks, when you obey, when you follow God, there's no greater place to be. You will never be happier. Somebody shared with me this morning uh, an issue in their life. And they said, if I go this way, it's the right thing. If I go that way, it's the wrong thing. But I, I think I might be happier over here. I said, no, no, no. Go this way. Because when you obey God, you're always happier. Oh, on the surface, you might have something over here that looks like you're going to gain right now. Go this way. Because God always takes care of us. Rejoice. That's the last thing. To rejoice. For God has given you joy. He read from the book of the law daily from the first day to the last day. And they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. This morning we're going to serve communion as we close. And we're going to ask the men that are serving communion if you would go to... uh, prepare communion at this time. And as we close our service today, I just want you to have a revival of your heart. Maybe you've known all the right answers. These people, some of them knew the answers, but they had no insight. Maybe it's been a while since you've had a touch from God. I want to encourage you this morning to to get close to God this morning. And it starts with reading his word. Starts with respecting his word understanding, gaining insight, being teachable, obeying. And this morning, we're going to do what they did in those sukkah booths. In those booths, they went out, they built this little hut, and it made no sense to live in the hut and thank God. And so I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting, just envision yourself, it's just you and God. And gentlemen, you may serve the congregation at this time. 
as they come and they, they serve the bread and the